Hello, and welcome to IBM Developer. I'm your host, Luke Schantz. In this episode of our Origin Stories interview series, I'm sitting down with Mike Spizak and Andrea Crawford. Hello, Mike. Hello, Andrea. Hello. Hello. Well, thanks for taking the time to chat today. So I gave a very brief introduction, but maybe uh, you could give a, a little bit more of an introduction to yourselves so our, our listeners and viewers understand who they're talking to today. Awesome. Uh, so I'll go first. Uh, my name is Andrea Crawford, uh, and I am a distinguished engineer with our IBM garage. My specialty is DevOps, all things DevOps, whether it be people process tools. And I help clients with translating and transforming uh, their enterprises with what DevOps means for them. So each client is very unique, has different priorities and concerns. So People process tools, whatever it means, hopefully a combination of all three is what I help my clients with. Thank you. Mike, how about you? Hey, yeah, thanks, Luke. So hi, I'm Mike Spizak. I am a distinguished engineer. I am currently reporting into IBM Security Services in our IBM Security Business Unit. And uh, I do a variety of things, basically all things security. I help clients leverage our new technologies and platforms, uh, in particular on the cloud. But I cover very much a broad stroke of everything from identity and access management to cloud pack for security, threat management, data protection. And like Andrea, I too have, a, have an engineering background. So I have a passion for secure engineering. I also get involved in the standards and for all of that. And I love, love automating. And, you know, there's sort of this underlying goal to make security as frictionless as possible for our engineers and developers of the world. Because I really feel like security can be a part of it, be a part of that picture. And I feel like it could be more frictionless. That's the way I'd say it. I like that. And let me just, to, to help frame this for our, our listeners and viewers, what is the IBM Garage? Yeah, so the IBM Garage is many things. It is a corporate brand. It's um, an organizational construct. It's a venue. It's also a methodology. But basically, if I could sum it all up, it's the modern way of delivering modern applications on modern platforms with modern delivery teams. So I've been around for a little while. I won't say how long, but how our clients and we have delivered software and applications in the past is very, very different in terms of the way things are or should be done today. So IBM Garage is all about infusing Agile, DevOps, lean design thinking, and leveraging cloud platforms in a way where we can help our clients be innovative, be disruptive in their industries, and be responsive to market and consumer demands. And it's all about culture. It's all about working in new ways and incorporating um, agile and more modern practices into the delivery of digital products. So we help our clients translate that into ways that have business value for their enterprise. So that, in a nutshell, is what IBM Garage is all about. Interesting. It's nice to hear all of these things mentioned, because I think sometimes you'll pick up something on DevOps or you'll, you know, you're doing some agile training, and it, it feels like I don't know that they're like, this is the, the ring to rule them all. But in reality, like you're saying, it's actually these are all tools. And then for what I'm hearing is the, the garage methodology must incorporate all, all of these as needed. 
It very much does. It is really focused on high levels of collaboration and bringing disparate parts of the organization together with a product-focused mindset. So you're starting to get into you know, the agile principles and to be able to use technology, process optimization, even lean, to really be efficient in terms of value that IT organizations are delivering to the business. And that comes from many different disciplines. Again, agile, lean, DevOps, enterprise design thinking, and combining that with some of the incredible technologies that are out there today that have been rapidly evolving over a number of years. And being able to combine these things together in a way where we're increasing velocity and quality of what is being delivered for the enterprise. And Mike, you had mentioned uh, sort of like making this frictionless or an easier process. Uh, Could you maybe expound on that a little bit? How does that, how does that happen where the rubber hits the road? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. And this is why I love teaming up and partnering with the garage. So the security unit uh, and, and garage came together and we, we felt like, like, you know, there should really be a partnership here where it absolutely makes sense. And it comes together in, in a couple of different ways, really three primary ways. One way is executing security style use cases using the garage method that Andrea just talked about, right? Agile, infusing agile principles, lean startup, enterprise design thinking. And that really excites me because, you know, people see security projects as slow, laborious, intense. And when you apply a garage execution method to a security focused project, it's amazing the acceleration you can get. And that excites, that excites clients, that excites people who are participating in the project. The other thing is um, bringing security to existing garage projects, right? So garage, it's awesome because it moves a thousand miles an hour, right? It, it really, and it, it's fast because it maniacally focuses on minimum viable products, MVPs. And so very often MVP to a lot of people, not to us, but to a lot of people, you know, security is left out of that because it's minimal and security is usually not security and minimal is usually not used in the same breath. So this is a great opportunity to bring security into an MVP, minimum viable security, if you will, right, to a minimum viable product. And that can mean a lot of different things. And then, of course, there is infusing security into the awesome garage practices, right? So things like, you know, automating uh, security scans and automating uh, uh, linting and automating, you know, the, the review of, of vulnerabilities. And notice I said automating three times, right? Because that's where I think the power of frictionless is really going to come in. I mean, I've spoken with not just security executives but, and security teams, but engineers, right? Nobody wants to push bad code. Everybody wants to have security as a part of their life cycle. And security teams want to enable rapid innovation, like both sides of this equation want and desire the same things. And this, this, you know, this partnership of security and garage is a great way to really see that come to life. That's interesting. And it, it makes sense because maybe, and it's, I'm sure it's an antiquated viewpoint, but I, I think there's this legacy mindset of like security is this thing that you sort of bolt on afterwards, or you just put it behind a firewall or something. And that's not really the case anymore, is it? Because you know, we live in a hybrid cloud world. There's this huge surface on our applications and our data. It can't be an afterthought. And I'm sure like anything, it's, it's probably so much better if you do it on the front side than build something and then 
try to scramble and, and add it later. And you know, look, the original intent of DevOps was to bring together two disparate organizations within IT, developers and operations, and breaking down the silos in the name of increasing velocity, right? So the throw it over the wall culture of yesteryear is completely obsolete. Really incorporating security and shifting left with that is an extension of the original intent of breaking down the silo between dev and operations. So really what this is saying is we need to extend the thought of incorporating key stakeholders into the process early on, in the beginning, having security have a seat at the table from the very, very start. This will help break down the perception that ITSEC is the group of no. Right. And being able to bring in security early is a great way to build an ally. And so that that is something that I think is a key foundational aspect of what DevOps should be today. Right. So bringing in those key stakeholders early on and not waiting as a bolt on till the very end. Right. That's a recipe for disaster. Well, and I'm remembering what you said about culture as well. So it it makes sense that, you know, this isn't just about the technologies. It's about the actual people working and breaking those silos down between these teams. Easier said than done. Sometimes I, you know, I've often said IT is the easy part. It's the humans that can be a little bit challenging with transformation efforts. But, you know, people are our greatest asset. And when you can get people motivated to feel like they believe in the cause, that they belong, look out because that's when really great things can happen. So culture, new ways of working, behaviors go hand in hand with technology transformation. It's key. Yeah. You know, and I'll just add on to that, right? You brought up a good point earlier, Andrea, about silos, right? And you're absolutely right. In fact, when people think about security organizations, they feel like they're very siloed, right? Like, like you know, a tower is built, it's called security, and you have to pass through that tower before you can do anything. And those, those are old models, right, for, for older ways of building things. Like you mentioned, Luke, right, we're in a hybrid multi-cloud world now. Things are moving at cloud speed. Everything is an API, right? And uh, so security, that culture of, of everyone needs to be security aware, right, has to sort of really come out. And there's no longer this tower. Security is everyone's job not just the security team's job. You know, we have this fun thing we do about, you know, the myths of security in dev, right? And you mentioned a couple, right? Luke, people used to think, uh, just put a firewall and we'll be fine, right? Or throw it through, run it through a pen test and we'll be fine. Or it's a crypto thing. It's not my problem. We'll be fine, right? And and you're, those are myths that that world of, uh, I mean, and those are important things to do, but just one of them alone is not enough in this world, right? So security has to be, and Andrea said the word, I love it, shifted left. It's got to come all the way to design early, right? And like threat modeling and, and risk, some of these types of, of, of methods, all the way through to secure engineering and, you know, and you have to test it every phase. So it's, uh, and I know it sounds like a lot, but it it's, doesn't need to be hard as long as we're all sort of thinking about it. And, and it can be incremental, right? And that's why security with garage is such a really good combination because security does have to be considered at every layer in the stack, right? From infrastructure to, you know, virtualization and containers to 
application to networks to, I mean, it pervades every layer, right? And it's okay to be iterative about it. You don't, you don't, you rarely see at the first churn of the crank, you know, in your iterations that you have every security, you know, aspect covered, right? That's why you iterate, you build upon, you build upon. But the point is, is that you don't leave it till the end. So that is really a, a, a key, uh, I think, differentiator between the way security should be done and the way maybe it has been done by many in the past. Well, thank you. I, now I have a, uh, I think I have a clearer idea of sort of what the garage does and how security fits into it. We can come back to those topics, but I would like to actually ask you both about your origin stories. So, uh, you know, most people in tech, I, I think we, you know, early on, there's something that sparked it, you know, that, that, that set us on this path. Uh, so, you know, for some, it was math class or a ham radio or video games, or I was just talking with someone and it was like their, you know, Lego, Technics Legos. And so let, let's start with you, Andrea. What was your, your sort of tech origin story back at the beginning? Yeah, so my father uh, was a car mechanic. He's now retired, and he always loved technology. I can remember on Sundays watching football games, go Bengals. Yes, I used to live in <laughs> um, He used to actually take me to the bookstore, and we would go to the magazine rack, and we would buy these, I think they were Computer World magazines or something like that, and they actually had programs printed in the magazine. So I would take them home, and I had this PC Junior that I had a basic cartridge. And I remember typing in computer programs because I wanted to play a game. And so I didn't think much of it. But I do distinctly remember when I had a bug in my code, and it didn't run, and therefore, I couldn't play my game that it was very, very frustrating. And so flash forward about, oh, maybe about four or five years, I was in high school. And I took I signed up for a keyboarding class because I played a violin at the time. I knew how to read notes. So I thought, I'll just go to this keyboarding and get the easy A, right? So I, I go down to the music department on my first day of keyboarding class, and the room number is wrong. For some reason, all the keyboards and pianos are on the top floor and not in the basement. So I go to the top floor, and I am horrified. I walk in the room, and there's computers everywhere. And then I realized it. Oh, no. They didn't mean piano keyboards. They meant computer keyboards. And I freaked out. <laughs> there goes my easy A. I am done, right? <laughs> and so I really struggled for a number of weeks to get into this programming mindset, which was beyond just copying code from a magazine, right? And so I... Uh, I, there, there was this, there was this one week where you know I'm struggling, struggling. I'm not really doing well with my homework assignments, and all of a sudden I'm reading the computer book, and we're we're programming, I believe, in Pascal, and all of a sudden, boom, something clicked, and I got it, and I loved it, and I begged my computer teacher. I says, please, can I take the Pascal compiler home? I have a PCXT and I want to do my coding at home. And after that, everything was history. I graduated high school, went to a Polytechnic University in Brooklyn, New York, down by the Brooklyn Bridge. And I majored in computer science and landed right into IBM. So I caught that computer bug 
that programming bug very early on, I think in my early childhood years. Um, and I never lost it. In fact, it's just grown and grown. That's my story. That's so interesting. And I, I love the overlap with your, your father being the mechanic. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's, I love how these eras overlap and like the, the problem solving and thinking about things. And then you, yeah, it's so cool. Thank you for sharing. So Mike, what, I, I can't wait to hear yours. Yeah. So actually, it's, it's funny that Andrea mentioned the influence that her dad had. So mine began with a very similar. So my father was a, he was an accountant, you know, in New York City. And, uh, but he used to, you know, and I was a youngster, he used to say that uh, he used to believe computers were the future, right? And so he rescued an, a, uh, um, a Commodore PET. So I don't know if anyone knows what this is, but this PET stands for uh, Personal Entertainment Terminal. You could, you could look this up, right? So Commodore PET, this thing had about uh, 8K of, of total memory in it. Uh, anyway, he came home with this monster out of the trash. He found it in the garbage. And uh, we brought it back to life. I had a couple of cassettes, you know, it, it, like it literally has an integrated cassette recorder and player on it, right? And uh, I actually still have it. It's in my parents' attic somewhere. But anyways, uh, long story short, this that's where, you know, I, I found and discovered BASIC. And shortly thereafter, my father purchased a book for me called Beginning Basics. And in it had, you know, very rudimentary programming, you know, 10, print this, 20, go to 10, and you could loop your name. And I thought this was amazing. I was, this was probably in the, uh, I don't want to date myself here, but this was in the 80s, 1980s at some point. And I was a youngster and I was blown away, right? So this was pre-high school. And like Andrea, I wanted to play games. I wanted to explore. I, I wanted to, so at this time, these were all text-based games. That's all they really had. And I wanted to go beyond that. I kind of wanted to create my own. So that was always sort of a, a sort of like the origin of where things started. I, you know, I went on and went to high school, went to junior high, went to high school and rediscovered computers back when I went to college where I uh, ended up rooming uh, out of Stony Brook University out here on Long Island with a couple of computer science majors. And these guys opened my eyes to sort of sort of connected the dots from those early origin, that love of gaming and exploring, right? These guys were just, they were amazing. Uh, they were mathematicians, philosophers, and computer scientists. It was a great mix, diverse group. And wow, then the doors just blew open into this world. The other thing, just I'd like to mention this, that I was doing at the same time was, uh, so I was, a, uh, I was a magician for many years uh, in my childhood and into college. And I mentioned that because I was spending time uh, entertaining, right? I would go to, to, to help buy books and things like that. I would, I would do magic shows. And uh, my father always used to tell me two things. He said, computers are the future. And he used to say magic is, is going to serve you well. And that, that always confused me because I, I didn't like, are you trying to tell me I should be a magician? I, what, you know, do you want me to go to Vegas? I didn't get it. And it wasn't until years later where I started to go and talk to people about technology, right? Because magic isn't about, it's not about, you know, trickery, right? At least for some, right? For me, magic was about making connections, telling stories and uh, uh, explaining to people, you know, bringing people along for a journey, right? Through some kind of a storyline. And, uh, and magic enabled me to learn the art of, imp you know, doing uh, improvision, speaking on my feet, thinking quickly. And then I brought that to the storyline of computing. And then I, what, I met, what I learned was that I loved talking to people about computers. I love talking to kids about computers. I love talking to clients about computers, you know, about technology. And so those two came together. And it was at that point that I realized what my old man was talking about, you know. 
So that's really sort of where the art and the tech came together for me. So, and I'll stop there. But yeah, the rest, as Andrew said, is history. I graduated and then and then went on to, uh, and I spent some time in the startup, you know, in the startup space in the '90s and that. But IBM won my heart. So that's a great origin story as well. Which, uh, and as a follow up question, I'd like something you alluded to there was, you know talking to children and, and working and, you know, mentoring. So I noticed your t-shirt. Tell us what, what P-TECH is. Yeah, so P-TECH is a program that IBM participates in. It's a, what it does is it, it's targeted at some specific schools and it allows kids who, when they graduate high school, they will graduate with a two-year associate's degree. And it's usually, it's technology focused. And what's great about the program is that it's, you know, it's typically targeted at a variety of demographics and uh, they encourage kids, especially, you know, you know, girls and boys, right, to pursue, you know, a, a technical career path. And why the mentoring aspect of it is so important is a lot of these kids, like they, they, um, they don't understand what's out. They don't, they don't know what they don't know. They don't understand what's out there in the field. They don't know what's ahead of them. And so they lean on, you know, the program leans on mentors to come and help sort of drive some of the curriculum to help. What I like to do is I go and I tell a day in the life story. So the kids understand that when they graduate, there's opportunities available for them and they're vast and they're wide and it's in cybersecurity. It's in engineering. It's in, you know, what many call STEM. I like to call STEAM because I am a, I am a believer that art does play a significant role in the way we interface with technologies. And so there's a whole world of STEAM opportunities out there for them. And uh, so the mentoring aspect of P-TECH is very important to help the kids understand that's out there for them. That's so interesting. And I completely, uh, you know, agree just from my own life. The, the Sometimes, you know, it doesn't even have to be much, but just someone showing you and telling you about something and now it's on your radar, you know it exists, you can start to have this notion of like, oh, this is, this is how the world works and how I can fit into it or, or find my path. So I think you know, especially in sharing these origin stories so folks can be like, oh, I'm interested in that. I should pursue that. And it's, you know, I, I often, you know, think of it too. It's like, you know, when you have that interest in say it's the musical instrument or the sport, it's like you owe it to yourself or, you know, your fa- to your family to like pursue that, to like feed that interest and, and look where it, you know, and sometimes happy accident. I love yours too, Adria, that you're like, you make the keyboarding mistake. You think it's going to be the music class and I mean, who knows if that one incident wouldn't have happened, it, it could have changed the whole trajectory of your life. Actually, I think I wanted to follow in my mother's footsteps as being a microbiologist, but I thought maybe computers were more my path. So my dad definitely encouraged me to go to the nerd school and the rest was history. Mike, I have one more question. What's that robot on the wall behind you? What's going on back there? That is, that looks oh, also yeah. vintage. Yeah. So actually, it's not vid- this one. This is actually powered by a, uh, a service. Do- it does a number of things. Right now, it's sitting idle. But I've been uh, exploring quite a bit with machine learning and uh, and artificial intelligence. And typically, I use this to train models. So it's like an offline thing. The but it does do. So I love, like I mentioned, art. I love data visualizations. I think I think you know rendering data you know, in a visual interface, it's just a fascinating, uh, it's, it's art as well as it allows you to look at something and understand what's going on. Also with this device in the back here was exploring quite a bit with, with a virtual assistants. So 
unlike the classic virtual assistants that a lot of us know of and speak to regularly, this one is homegrown. And uh, there's an origin story behind that as well, but I won't get into it. But my son helped me build the first one together. And, uh, but it does, it answers questions, talks about cybersecurity and, you know, runs my lab. So Fascinating. So let me ask you, if folks want to learn more about the garage method and, you know, you know well, security and garage method, where should they go? Where should they look? Yeah, so we actually have a uh, publicly available website off of ibm.com, ibm.com slash garage. That is really an explanation of our IBM garage methodology and how for those clients who are interested in getting into the garage, no, no, uh, it's FREE free, no money required just to get you in the garage in a venue. We've also very much accommodated virtual delivery of our services as well in these very challenging times. So, you know, the site will uh, help you with the entry point into the garage so that our clients can go ahead and get started penalty-free, at no cost, just to talk with us to find out more how Garage can be applied to DevOps, security, any kind of innovation challenges, uh, modernization challenges that our clients are having. Thank you. And Mike, specifically on the security side, do you have any sort of public-facing resources we could point people towards? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, um, almost in the same URL, right, ibm.com slash security is sort of the front door for all things security. Now, once you get inside there, there's there's all kinds of things. Again, security is vast and broad and wide. So there's a lot of content there. But as you make your way, you'll start to read about something called Cloud Pack for Security, which is a part of our uh, IBM's Cloud Pack family. It's one of six different Cloud Packs. It's based on our OpenShift platform. The But as you start to read through uh, that page on there, you will find links to specifically what we call the security with IBM Garage. And that is, you know, that will take you into all the things that Andrew and I were talking about, you know, sort of the merger of you know, DevOps with security and, and, you know, executing security use cases using the garage method. All of that you can be found, can be found there. Awesome. And let me ask you this. Is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have or anything that you'd want to add? Oh, goodness. Well, yeah, DevOps, yeah. Is, <laughs> DevOps is a pretty, a, a pretty wide space. I think if, if I had any like parting things that I would want people to leave with, it's that IBM and the garage can help clients get into the game. You can't fake showing up and getting something done. And if you don't know where to start or you have a problem or a pain point that you don't know quite how to tackle, we can help with that. And we can bring our experts from various fields to a client, even if it's virtual, and we can help chart a path for how to address some of these pain points and challenges with our garage, being iterative, doing MVPs, that can be very much aligned and inclusive of security in that journey, whatever it may be. Yeah, and, and so so I'll I'll say the same thing. Right? I think that's I think that's a great closure there, Andrea. I'll also say that for for the engineers and the devs in our audience, the IBM Developer, so developer.ibm.com is is an amazing resource. And in particular, right, because I have security holds a special place in my heart, right? If you just search security on there, you will find a wealth of articles and tutorials, things like 
how to secure a Kubernetes, right? How to do cool things like GitOps and things like data security at rest and at transit and how to avoid cross-site scripting attacks in your forms. Just stuff like that, that, that you can bring into your day-to-day now. Uh, again, with tutorials and articles that are very consumable, I think that's a, that's a great thing. The other thing I, I sort of would just encourage everyone to check out would be on the Steam front, uh, again, P-Tech, if you don't know what it is, a simple search will, will, will show you that. And IBM, we have this wonderful thing called the IBM Academy of Technology. And, uh, you know, that's a, a group of, uh, and I'm a member of that organization. And it's, it's sort of just this group of, of technologists, you know, united around making the world a better place. They have lots of initiatives. Some are STEAM related, some are client focused, some are just exploratory, quantum, you know, blockchain. I mean, it's a, a number of topics. So I would encourage everyone to just sort of check all of those things out because it's, it's just, you know, it's an amazing world out there and you want to make sure you leave no rock unturned and no door not knocked on. So I'll just stop there. Well, thank you both very much. This has been an enjoyable and enlightening conversation and I will uh, include all the links and everything we talked about in the show notes. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for having us. Truly appreciate it. 